All right. How's everybody doing? Great. Ready for school to start tomorrow, parents? Yeah? <laughs> My son started two weeks ago, so that's nice. Already used to the hustle and bustle and all that stuff. So, uh, I did figure one thing out, though. Um, never go to the mall on Saturday before school starts. So, <laughs> yeah, um, not a good thing, and we made that mistake last night. So, um, yeah, not a good thing, but uh, it's good. Glad school's starting back and exciting time. So, um, I want to share just a couple of things, and what I'm going to be sharing today is in the area of what the anointing is. It's one of those buzzwords, especially you know, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, um, is the anointing. What the anointing is, what the purpose of the anointing is, how it, what the anointing was under the old covenant, um, what it is under the new covenant, <clears throat> excuse me, the differences between the two. And I just want to kind of dispel a couple of um, myths out there, um, you know, unfortunately incorrect teachings um, of what the anointing is. And if you've been saved for more than a week, um, you know, you, you, you know what the term anointing is. You've heard it thousands and thousands of times. But unfortunately, with a lot of the teachings out there, it gets you in the mentality, just like in the area of righteousness, just in the area of holiness, it's something that you're seeking after. And unfortunately, that's the way it's taught in many circles, is you seek after the anointing rather than understanding that you have the anointing already. It's not something that you're seeking after just, again, as the area of righteousness and holiness and all these other kind of things that we've known uh, that we've been provided freely by grace. And it's the same with anointing. So just want to share a couple of thoughts uh, about anointing, what that is, and certainly what it's not. Um, and I'm going to share just a couple of things um, on what the anointing uh, is and um, how it was applied under the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant and um, just a few other things just want to share. So let's get started. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your Holy Spirit that is the anointing. And we thank you, God, that we don't have to run after a new anointing, a different anointing. God, we thank you that we have the anointed one living in us and we live through the anointed one. We're not seeking after an anointing. And Father, we just thank you for, uh, for your precious Holy Spirit that's our comforter, that's our counselor, it's our teacher that will lead us into all truth. And God, I just pray that uh, what is shared here today, God, that we can take and run with, God, and um, just come to a deeper understanding of what your anointing is, your anointed one, who he is. And Father, we just thank you for this day. Bless those that are here. <clears throat> Bless our ears to hear truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, if, if you've been saved for at least a week, uh, you've heard the word anointed or anointing or this person's anointed or you know that particular item is anointed. It's an anointed psalmist, uh, anointed speaker. One carries a prophetic anointing, a healing anointing. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, what it comes down to a lot of the times is every time somebody starts doing something a little bit better than somebody else, that person's anointed versus the previous person. They're just maybe talented or something like that, you know. Um, but that's how it's presented, you know, and especially if people are moved to tears, oh, that person's definitely anointed. No doubt about that. If that person starts crying and, you know, um, starts shaking or whatever it is, and 
Uh, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about that today, how <clears throat> a lot of the confusion is we confuse emotionalism with anointing and what those two things mean. And sometimes, you know, we can, we can confuse those two. Um, but uh, if someone receives the anointing on their lives for ministry, but because of a particular weakness, um, maybe that person commits sin or whatever the case may be, does that person lose the anointing? Um, do they have to do something to regain that anointing? You know, so those are the, a, lot of the, a lot of the questions and a lot of the mindsets. And it was definitely my mindset for years that, you know, um, if I was getting ready to speak for a conference or uh, in church or whatever, I would prepare myself. And as long as I did the right things, if I prayed for a certain amount of time, if I fasted for a certain amount of time, then after doing those things, then I was anointed. But let's say that the night before um, I yell at my son or I have a fight with my wife or, you know, I, I have a, a, uh, an incorrect thought or whatever the case may be. I used to think, oh, my gosh, I just lost the anointing. Now I can't speak. And unfortunately, that's the mentality of a lot of people in the church, especially pastors. I guarantee you um, that is the mentality that they have if they do something that can take the anointing away because it's an old covenant mindset. In the old covenant, that was true, right? And the, the anointing in the, on the old covenant, <clears throat> it came upon, right? It came upon for a certain purpose, and for a certain time, it came upon certain individuals, whether that was prophets, whether that was priests, whether that was kings, whatever the case may be, it came upon for a certain purpose that God had. Rather, in the new covenant, what we have, the Spirit abides, Right, the anointing abides. It doesn't come and go as as a lot of people think. So, I just want to share a couple of those things. Um, and the first one I want to I want to talk about is um, is what the anointing is not. All right, I think sometimes maybe the best way to define something is what it's not, rather than what it is. So if we can, you know, understand what something is not, maybe give a better understanding of what it is. And the first thing that it's not is a feeling. All right. Just want to share that it's not a feeling. Now, am I against feelings? No, absolutely not. When we truly have an experience with the Lord, whether that be in worship, whether that be in your prayer time, of course we're going to get emotional. We're human beings. I'm not against that. There's some people out there that will teach, you know, the extreme side of that, that we're never to be emotional. My relationship with the Lord is absolutely emotional at times, right? There's sometimes, do I feel anointed? No. Do there, are, there, are there times when I feel like the presence of the Lord is not with me? Yes, but that's not truth, right? What we have to focus on is putting truth above our feelings, right? And once we understand truth, yes, feelings will come, absolutely. You, you should have um, emotions, you know, right? We love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Everything in us, we live and we move and we have our being, um, you know, is in the Lord. So there certainly is emotion. So when I say it's not a feeling, I'm not saying there's never any feelings. I'm not saying that. So I want to make that clear. But the, um, the confusion can be this, is during a service um, or after a service, someone might say, and you've probably heard this before, man, I really felt the anointing today, you know, or I, I felt that that, that that pastor was anointed, you know. And the mentality it puts, it, it puts in your mind is if you didn't feel it, then the anointing wasn't there. That's the mentality that basically what you're saying is, man, I really felt the anointing today. Well, what happens when you come back next week and you don't feel it? Does that mean the anointing is not there? No. 
So the con it, that's where the confusion starts to, starts to come in is when you really think it's in emotions. And again, feelings are good, but we can't confuse the anointing with our emotions. And again, I said before, when a teaching is good, it means they're talented. But maybe when a preacher screams or he hollers or he maybe sweats a lot or whatever, that means they're anointed. No, they're, they're anointed because the anointing abides in them. They're not anointed because they're doing certain things or it's a, you know, an outside manifestation. That's not the anointing. It's, it's again, it's a, it's a manifestation. So it's, it definitely is not a feeling. Um, and what we have to get in our minds is you're, you are anointed. If you call yourself a believer, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are anointed whether you feel like it or not. That is the truth. So we can't go by emotions. We have to go by truth. It's all by faith. So <clears throat> first scripture I want to turn to, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, we're going to see that it's definitely not by feelings, it's by faith. Everything in the new covenant is received by faith. Judges chapter 16. Now I'm going to start at verse 18. <clears throat> Very familiar passage of scripture. Judges chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 18. But this is the story of Samson and Delilah. We've read this story hundreds and hundreds of times. But I just want to show you based on uh, the story of Samson that we are anointed by faith. We know we are anointed by faith. It's not by feelings. It's not by works. It's not by anything that we have to do to feel anointed. It is by faith. Even in the Old Covenant. <clears throat> okay. So... The story of Samson and Delilah, we, we, we've read that a hundred times. You know, um, there's, a, a, there's a group of, uh, of people that want to find out the secret to Samson's anointing and where he gets anointing from. Morning, guys. Where he gets his anointing from. So Delilah comes in and she wants to get the secret of Samson's uh, anointing. So she basically lures him to sleep. And, you know, we, we've read that. Cuts his hair, all that stuff. So I'm going to start at verse 18. It says this, When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistine came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And that's been said plenty of times before that. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's the part I want to focus on right here is that scripture right there says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. So if I'm reading that, basically what that's saying is if Samson didn't know that the Lord had departed from him, he didn't know when the Lord had came upon him. Makes sense, right? If he didn't know when he left, he didn't really know when he came, which says that Samson lived by faith. Samson was a man of faith, right? It says, it says right there, he says, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. If you read previous scriptures, previous chapters, that's what Samson did when they said, you know, wake up, the Philistines are upon us. He shook himself free. He broke, broke the ropes, broke the chains, all of those things that we've read. So that's just what he did, right? But it just proves that Samson is a man of faith. He wasn't really concerned about uh, doing outward things. He just, he just knew, all right, 
Philistines are upon us, I'm going to give up. I'm going to do the same thing that I've always done, and I'm going to go shake myself, and that'll be the end of it. But Samson was a man of faith. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, right, Samson is in the hall of faith, right? So that proves to you that Samson was a man that lived by faith. He just knew that he had the anointing, all right? He just, maybe not what we know the anointing to be, but that just proves it's not a feeling. It's by faith, all right? By faith. Samson was a man of faith. So one thing it's not is, uh, is feelings, all right? Um, <laughs> one thing I heard the other day I thought was pretty funny, and I think this applies. You guys um, know what the national anthem of the church is? You guys ever heard this before? The national anthem of the church, the most popular song. Most people would say yeah, it's Amazing Grace or, you know, um, The Blood or, you know, all great songs. <clears throat> but I thought this was funny. He said, no, actually, the national anthem of the church is an old song called Hooked on a Feeling. <laughs> Anybody know that song? It's a little bit before my time, but if you read those, you know, hear those lyrics, it's Hooked on a Feeling. And unfortunately, a lot of circles, that's their MO. I'm hooked on a feeling. If I feel it, then I'm anointed. If I don't feel it, maybe I'm not so anointed as I thought I was. You know, so just throw that in there. So hooked on a feeling. It's by faith, uh, not by works or anything like that. Um, so the first one is it's not a feeling. Second one, it's not a reward for holy living. It's not a reward for holy living. Okay? And if you have that mentality, it leads people to think that someone is anointed because they live a higher standard of sanctification than you do. And unfortunately, a lot of the televangelists and people that you see on TV, you know, they appear to have maybe a higher level of sanctification or holiness or righteousness. And you look at that, man, they're really anointed. I'm not as anointed as them because they're doing all these things. That it's, we can't have that mentality that it's a reward for holy living. And I was, as I was studying for this about a week ago, just kind of listening to some things that I probably shouldn't have listened to. Um, that are just so confusing and so backwards. But one of the uh, pastors that was sharing about the anointing essentially said this. I'm not going to talk about it, you know, his whole message, but essentially the message was this, that, um, that you have to pay the price for the anointing. You ever heard that before? Yes. Right? You've got to pay the price for the anointing. The anointing is costly. It's going to cost you something. Really? Like, so I'm listening to this whole thing, and not once did he ever talk about the cross. Did he ever talk about what was given at the cross? Not ever did he once talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, the anointed one, right? It's not costly. It's not something that's going to cost you something as if you're working to become anointed. You are anointed at salvation. We're going to talk about that. So never think that it's a reward for holy living. Galatians 3, uh, chapter, or Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. <clears throat> okay. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to start at verse 1, then they get to verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is where that chasing after the anointing mentality comes in. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? 
So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's not a reward for holy living. It's something that was given to you as a gift, just as righteousness, just as um, sanctification, all those types of things that unfortunately are taught out there that is a gift, um, when, or that's a wage rather than a gift. Two other scriptures I'm not going to read, you can go back and read later, is Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. You can go in and read those later. All right, so the second one, it's not a reward for holy living. Third one, the mentality out there, it's multi-leveled or there's degrees of anointing. You ever heard this before? Different levels of anointing, right? Like there's some anointometer, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's what I think of when somebody says, oh, man, that person's really anointed. Like, okay, where is he? Is he level 10? Is he level 3? Is he level 5? Well, where in the mix is, is, is this particular person? Um, and unfortunately, many believe that you can have the presence of God, but not the power of God. Right? You ever heard that before? Yeah, that, the presence of God's with you, absolutely. No question. But you don't have the power of God. I thought the presence of God was the power of God. Right? It's Christ in us. Right? The hope of glory, it's Christ in us. So don't believe that lie. If you have the presence, you have the power of God. It's the same power that conquered the grave. Right? Same exact power. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, 17, and 18. <clears throat> Mark chapter 16, 17 and 18. Okay, verse 17. Well, I'll start at verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. One thing I want to point out real quick, verse 17 says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. So the only requirement for the anointing is to believe. That's it. You guys don't do anything to earn the anointing. You guys don't do anything to grow in the anointing, a different anointing. And that's, that's kind of like it's what the, a lot of the church focuses on, these two things, the latest and the greatest. It's the latest anointing and the greatest anointing. It's something new. We're always looking for something new, the new anointing. And this person's got a new anointing, and that, I want that anointing, right? And sometimes you'll hear, oh, you know, if you really want my, my anointing, it's going to cost you, right? What, what I've said before, if you really want my anointing, it's going to cost you. Well, I don't want your anointing. You know what I'm saying? I don't want your anointing. I have the anointed one. We all have the same anointing. It's not different anointings. This person has a different anointing. That person has a better anointing or a greater anointing. No, we all have the same anointing. However, there are different gifts, okay, which I'm going to talk about in just a second, all right? Sometimes we can confuse different anointings with different gifts of the Spirit. Okay? There, there is a difference there. Um, I heard this before. You guys might have heard this before. I don't know. But uh, there's, apparently there's three levels of anointing. Apparently. I, I, this is news to me. But there's three levels. The first level, which we all get at salvation, is called the leper's anointing. Anybody heard this before? It's called the leper's anointing. We all get this at salvation. It's kind of like the, the pre-K kindergarten anointing, you know. Um, 
So the leper's anointing comes at salvation. Then after you're saved for a while and you know you come to church and you start reading the Bible, you start studying the Bible, you graduate from the leper's anointing apparently, then you go to the priestly anointing. That's the second anointing. That comes by fellowship with Jesus. All right? That's the second one, priestly anointing. Then the third one and the very top level apparently is the kingly anointing. All right? The kingly anointing. That comes through deep devotion and holy living. All right? The kingly anointing. So apparently we're all striving for the kingly anointing. All right? The leper's anointing, that's not good enough unless maybe if you're just saved for a week or so. We need the kingly anointing. Some other ones that I've heard of that are just beyond me, and you've probably heard some of these before, some popular anointings out there. The one that just really throws me for a loop is the breaker anointing. Ever heard that before? The breaker anointing is the breaking anointing. And again, these things that I'm telling you about, I believe for a very long time. All right? This, these are things that I used to strive for and work for. And like, man, I, I really want the breaker anointing. And, and I really want the, the anointing of healing and the prophetic anointing. All these things. Rather than realizing I have the holy anointed one living in me. And, I get, and he gets to live through me. Right? There's a big difference there. So when I talk about these things, it's something that I lived. I mean, it's something that, that is very personal to me. And finally come to an understanding that it's not something I'm working for or chasing after. The breaker anointing. second one is the double portion anointing. I'm sure you guys have heard of that one before, right? The double portion anointing. They always talk about Elisha and Elijah and how there was a double portion anointing. And I, don't, I can't just have a, a, a single anointing. I've got to have a double anointing. Yeah, that's better. Double anointing, you're really serious and you're, you're, you're really uh, working hard for the Lord. Double portion anointing. This one I heard the other day, a surprise anointing. Surprise! surprise. <laughs> I'm like, okay, a surprise anointing? Uh, okay. So this is what this particular pastor said that a surprise anointing, I think it's actually one of the um, prophets or whatever, he's, he's probably been on TV a couple times, I'm not going to say who it is. Um, you can take your guesses. Um, but he said this, the Lord says a surprise anointing is coming. I'm coming to anoint you in your present field, but the anointing is for something I will send you into. Once I anoint you, you will see the structure and the ruling force and the distressing spirit that is waiting to stop you. This distressing spirit is resisting your next level of promotion. Okay. And this really was confusing to me. You must have the sound that will cause this spirit to retreat. So now it's a sound. Okay, um, how, do you, how do you know when you've heard the sound? Like, the sound. Like, what? what? The sound. I'm like, okay. Makes a lot of sense to me. So it's a surprise anointing, apparently. Makes you think the anointing you have, you already have, is not good enough. That's basically what it means. The anointing that you have is not good enough, and there's, it's only reserved for a certain... Um, type of person. It's only reserved for a pastor. It's only reserved for somebody in the ministry. We're all in the ministry. We're all ministers, which is just giving good news, just speaking good news. We're all ministers. There's no levels, right? And again, I want to really point out this scripture because I think this is really where um, clarity can come in as far as what the anointing is and and, um, the teaching out there as far as different anointings. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Very familiar passage again. 
You guys there? Alright, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start at verse 4. Actually, I'll start at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. Okay? Do you guys see a common thread there? It's the same Spirit, different manifestations. Right? So, what a lot of the teaching out there says is different anointings. What they're really saying, and truthfully, is it's different manifestations or different gifts of the Spirit, right? Which we all need in the body of Christ, right? Not everybody can be teachers. Not everybody can be prophets. Not everybody can be, you know, uh, different gifts, discerning uh, of spirits, words of knowledge, all these different types of things. We all need different gifts in the body to make it effective, right? So you can't say it's different anointings. This person has an anointing for healing. This person has an anointing for um, interpretation of tongues. No, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's different manifestations, but it's all under or in one Spirit. All right? See the difference there? So just want to clear that up. It's, just, it's different manifestations. That's all it is. It's, it's not different anointings. All right? So now I want to get into what the actual anointing is. <clears throat> The Hebrew and Greek words for anoint, anointing, or anointed all refer to two basic things. It means to physically smear or rub with oil and the appointment of a person to a specific office or service. Basically what it means. There's a couple um, things in, in the Bible that were anointed. <coughs> if you want to write these down, you can. That's fine. Uh, one was prophets, priests, kings, objects, and people. Prophets, priests, kings, Objects, people. Prophets, they were anointed to proclaim God's word. That's the purpose of it. Priests carry out their duties of worship or duties of service. Kings to rule a nation or a land. Objects were anointed, set aside for holy use, such as the building of the tabernacle. Those were anointed or, or set aside, consecrated. And people were anointed for healing. All right. The Hebrew word for anoint is mashach. I believe is how you pronounce it. M-A-S-H-A-H means to smear or rub in. The Greek word for anoint is chiro. means to rub or smear in. Chiro is it's actually a derivative of Christos, where we get Christ. Right? <coughs> Kiro. The anointing was for a specific purpose and came upon select individuals, but did not abide in them. All right? Didn't abide in them, it just came upon them. Old covenant believers were not born again, so they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them because Jesus had not yet come to fulfill. Right? Old Covenant instances of anointings, 1 Samuel 10, uh, verse 1, 1 Samuel 16, 13, Judges 14, 6, 
You can go back and look those up if you want, just for time's sake here. Um, the anointing could not be taken away, or could be taken away, excuse me, under the old covenant because, because it came upon and did not abide. Okay, much different than the new covenant. Um, and what we see when we look at the anointing in the old covenant, it was a pouring out of oil. All it basically was was an outward symbol or a natural representation of what had already taken place in the spirit. Okay, that's what anointing is. When somebody, you know, prays for you, said, you know, I want to pray for the anointing, whatever. No, they're not really praying for the anointing. All they're doing is confirming what God has already done for a believer, right? They're not giving you the anointing. And that's another thing you'll hear a lot is, you know, you go to a lot of circles and, you know, the end of the service, they're going to lay hands on you so can you, you can receive the anointing. You ever done that before? Stood in a long line and waited for the person to, you know, go by and transfer anointing. Um, secret here, man cannot transfer the anointing to another man, right? We don't have that power to do that. The only one that gives us the anointing is God himself, right? We don't transfer. I'm not going to pray if you said, I'm going to pray for the anointing or I'm going to transfer the anointing. No, you already have the anointing for a believer. You already have the anointing. So why am I going to pray for something that you already have? All I'm doing is just confirming what's already in you, right? So big difference there. Sets a lot of the confusion just, you know, out of the way there. Um, Kings and prophets were appointed. You can read that 1 Kings 19 and 2 Kings 2. Uh, 9 through 15. This is, this is the one, well, not one scripture, but one of the main scriptures that a lot of the, these proponents out there of, um, of different anointings and levels of anointings, they'll come up with this one. is 2 Kings 2, 9 through 15. Uh, this is the um, Elisha and Elijah scripture story about the, the double portion anointing. I'll make this very clear. It's very, very simple um, what the scripture is actually talking about. It's not talking about a double portion anointing like it's different than a single anointing, right? It's not what it's talking about. Um, the Hebrew in that, the word portion there, literally means the word mouth. And that 2 Kings 2, 9 through 15 actually is relating to a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 21, 15 through 17. If you want to read that, you can. You can go back and read it. Um, but the legal implications of a double portion primarily related to the inheritance allotted to the firstborn male in a Hebrew household. That's all it was talking about. So Elijah was basically, now Elijah wasn't his natural son, but speaking father to son, spiritually speaking, that's what it's talking about, a double portion anointing. That's the, the, um, the firstborn always got the best, right? Always got the, the best of the anointing or best of the you know, um, household or whatever the case may be. But now because Christ came and has changed the law, right? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, the lastborn and the firstborn both share in the same inheritance. Both share in the same inheritance. We already have been given a double portion because we have Christ himself, the anointed one, in us. We don't need a double portion anointing. We have all of the anointing that we're ever going to need, even in eternity. All right? So just want to clear that up. And in the Old Testament, basically what happened was um, the anointing of olive oil was like a painting of, of a big X on someone. All right? So um, basically what would happen is God would place an X on a certain person, prophet, priest, king, whatever the case may be almost like a target, and said that person is anointed for this particular purpose, this, this particular reason. 
But once that particular purpose was taken care of, the anointed could leave. All right? Did not abide as it was in the, in the, um, in the new covenant that we come to, to know about. Um, this one I think is pretty funny too. You'll hear this a lot. A teaching that's out there states that the anointing comes because we're under a leadership umbrella. You ever heard that before? You had the anointing because you're under a certain leadership umbrella or a certain denomination or whatever you want to call it um, under a leadership anointing. And this is from a a well-known evangelist. I'm not going to say the name, but this is what this particular person says. The anointing cannot come upon us unless we're under the right leaders. Without proper leadership in the spirit, we can't be anointed because the anointing flows from the head down. We've heard that before. The anointing flows from the head down. And what this particular person is talking about is in Psalm 133. If you read that part, that the anointing flows down and covered Aaron's beard. And, you know. But one thing you have to understand, which I think is pretty cool. If you read that scripture, notice that the oil could not touch the skin. It could not touch the flesh. Right? Couldn't touch the flesh. So what that means now for us is Jesus. Right? Jesus, it couldn't touch the flesh. Because the anointing flows from the head down. The head being Christ. Christ came in, took the sacrifice, touched our flesh. Right? So, we're under, the, we're under the new covenant, right? Under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is in us, is the anointing. He'll never leave us or forsake us. If we could lose the anointing under the New Testament, this would also mean that we could lose the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the anointing of God. It's the anointing of God. The, the anointing abides. It doesn't just come upon. Alright? I'm going to skip on here just for time purposes. Um, we do not seek the anointing from anyone or have it fall on us. This is from a, uh, a guy's name is Doug Fortune. You guys have ever heard of him before, but I thought this was really good. He says, what more do we want? It all hinges on our definition and, and expectation of glory. The root of all heresy is the itch for something more and something new. Why do we think it's up to us to create an atmosphere to make some sensory event happen? Rather than reckoning into and appropriating by faith the reality of what is objectively true... Because Jesus has said so, regardless of what we might feel. We think we have to go through certain spiritual gymnastics to get a reluctant God to manifest himself to our senses. Self-effort is the primal sin. This includes self-initiated spiritual techniques. Sadly, our misguided beliefs and practices in this regard are at their philosophical root, diluted paganism. I thought that was pretty good. It's diluted paganism. If we think we have to create an atmosphere to you know, get the anointing, the anointing abides. It abides in us. The purpose of the anointing, and I'll end with this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Is this making sense? Yes. Good? All right, good. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Again, well-known... Scripture, we probably read these plenty of times, but it's probably one of those scriptures that even I have done before. You just kind of skip over it and just read it. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus in his, is in his hometown. He's in the synagogue, right? And this is the portion of Scripture where Jesus goes into the, into the, uh, into the temple. And they have a daily, um, you know, on the Sabbath, they have a reading of the Torah. They have a reading. And Jesus was presented a portion of scripture. And I'm going to start in, uh, in verse 16. It said, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. 
And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. So he had to do some thumbing through, obviously, you know, to find this particular scripture. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And so on and so forth. But I want to point out something that's, that you can, th- you can think maybe just, you know, well, you're just kind of, it's a play on words or it, you're being too particular. No, I think this is very, very important because what Jesus is saying, the church, the way that teaches in a lot of circles is actually backwards. All right. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. All right, Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Now, the way that we've reversed it, we said, the anointing, right, is upon me because the Spirit, right, or the anointing um, is upon me because he's, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We, we, we've switched the anointing and the Spirit. Right, we'll say the anointing um, is uh, is upon me because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So basically, what that leads you to believe is, if you don't feel the spirit, then you're not anointed. Right? We've confused manifestations and feelings and all these other kind of things with what Jesus was saying. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has already anointed. All right, He's already anointed you. Already anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has already anointed you. That's why the Spirit is on you, because you already are anointed. Alright? Just want to clear that confusion up. I'll end with two scriptures that talks about um, the anointing as something that you already have. It's 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I'm rushing here, sorry. I want you to be able to get you guys in service. So much more I could say, but time allotted. Um, okay, First John chapter two. Uh, verse 20. First John chapter two, verse 20. It says, "But you will have an anointing, maybe have an anointing, if you work hard enough, if you're holy enough. No, it says, "But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know." I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? All right, and it goes on to some other things there. The other one is verse 27. I'll start with verse 25, that same chapter. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. That is the promise. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, John is not saying that we don't need teachers in the body of Christ. That's not what he's saying, because obviously that's one of the gifts, you know, teachers and pastors, prophets, all this. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you don't need somebody else to teach you about a different anointing, or a different Holy Spirit, or a different gospel. 
That's what John is saying, th- is saying there. As for you, the anointing which you received, past tense, from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. The old covenant, the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing, that's what we know the anointing to be, is the Holy Spirit. It resides in you. It's never leaving Right? It's never leaving. You cannot do anything to make the anointing leave or to scare the anointing or you know, all these different types of things. And I've heard these things, well, the anointing is like a dove, so you have to you know, not do anything to scare the dove off. Ever heard that before? No, it's a symbolism. It says the Holy Spirit came as a dove. It doesn't necessarily say it was a literal dove. All right? I have to read Scripture very carefully there. So I want you to understand that the anointing that you were given at salvation is the same anointing that you're going to have for the rest of your life. It's not getting any better. It's not growing. It's not, you're not going to have a different anointing in heaven. You're not going to you know, um, seek after anointing, and, and, and you need the anointing for this. You need the anointing for that. No, you have the anointing because the anointing is the anointed one. It's Jesus. It's Jesus in us, the hope, Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So hopefully that makes sense to you guys and, and you know, maybe clear up a lot of stuff and confusion as far as what the anointing is. All it is is the Holy Spirit. It's very, very simple. So the next time you, you have somebody that tells you, you know, um, are you seeking after the anointing? Said, no, I'm not seeking after the anointing. It's already in me. I'm not seeking after the anointing because I don't need to. The Holy Spirit lives in me, which is the anointing. Does that clear things up? Does that help? Right? And this is something that's, that I'm learning too. Again, this is years and years of, of incorrect teaching that kind of have to clear the cobwebs out. Um, so I'm learning just as you. But a lot of that, just, it just makes sense. Grace just makes sense, right? It's just logical. It really makes sense. All the other kind of stuff out there that you hear, it just, it's confusing. It's tiring, right? It's, at least it was for me. It's very, very tiring. Like, oh, man, I'm never going to be what this particular person is because I don't feel the anointing. I'm, maybe I'm not anointed. You know, it's too much work. Exactly right. It's too much work. But um, as I said last, last Sunday when I, when I spoke about rest, rest is something that I want right now. I don't have to wait until I get to heaven. You know, I think that's cheapening the grace of God if you want to think, well, one day I'll be able to rest. No, I'm resting right now. I get to rest right now, right? So uh, let's pray, and you guys will be out of here. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, for truth. God, that um, we have the anointed one living in us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us who is the anointing, the anointed one. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to search after or groan after or work hard for something that was given to us as a gift. It can't be two things. It's got to be a gift or a wage. And God, we thank you that you've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Father, that we live um, through, through the person of Jesus. We live by the faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. God, and I just thank you for your word today. Continue to teach us by your Holy Spirit that we do have the anointing because we have the anointed one in us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the service. Thank you very much.